0: The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit w2mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.
1: On behalf of myself, Harry Broadhurst, and Patrick Ketza, tonight's episode of Wrestling Unwrapped is dedicated to the memory of Bobby the Brain Heenan.
0: And with that, we welcome you again to another episode of Wrestling Unwrapped here on the W2N Network. I am your host, the sole proprietor of Chico Santana's flying burrito stand, Patrick Tatza. And joining me as always, cook and manager of the Egger Diner, Harry Broadhurst. How are
1: you, Harry? That's that that that's nice. Our executive producer is the GDP Paul Leeser, but he's not around to make a snarky comment.
0: And it's kind of funny that we have to do this kind of a show on this occasion, considering the fact that we're going with a show that went directly up against a show that this man that we're dedicated to was featured on, of all things. Not, not only featured... He was the play,
1: He was the color guy for the entirety of said show. He that was going up against this one. So, do you want to go ahead and give the backstory before we start the review? Then,
0: well, I should probably at least the name of the damn show first. As and tonight, we
1: should, <laughs> we should also do our plugs too. So, go ahead.
0: I'm getting into that. <clears throat> so tonight we are doing. The show that the WWE tried to ruin with that concept of the royal something or other. Eh. As we will be doing the third, well, I should say the finals of the third annual bunkhouse produced by Jim Crockett Promotions from the Nassau County Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Long Island, New York. More commonly
1: Mm. referred to as simply the Nassau Coliseum.
0: I know, I was trying to be... I was, I, was, I was trying to do things the right way.
1: Okay, yeah, you You try to be professional all you want to. That's not my shtick.
0: What the hell is your shtick? Anyway? <clears throat> um, I'm,
1: f- I'm, fu- I'm full of shtick.
0: Definitely. Anyway. And <laughs> before we actually get into that, as always, we are a presentation of the W2M Network, where you can find... Not only our past uh, episodes in our archives, but even some of our written reviews, we're going to get back to one of these days. Mm-hmm. This one wasn't my fault. <laughs>
1: uh, anyway, no, I com- you can- I, complete, I completely overslept for this one. Blame me. It's kind of a running joke as to when we get back to these reviews, though. So frankly, it's regardless, if we get the reviews out, great. If we don't, it continues the running joke. Whichever.
0: <laughs> exactly. But for those that are done, you can find all of those at W2Mnet.com. As well, you can find 411Mania.com and lastwordonsports on Sports and LastwordOnProing.com. So we're gonna have to try and fill this as much as humanly possible tonight. Because I believe this may just be the shortest pay-per-view we've ever done I think
1: the there's first. no doubt I think there's no doubt in my mind in terms of number of matches this is the shortest we've ever done it's not the shortest show we've ever done because this thing, this thing does run like an hour and 53 something and the network yes that's that's true that's with a with two major entrances and introductions clipped, which I'm still trying to figure out why that happened. I saw nothing in the review that I sent you that explained it. I have another place I can check for a review of that though, so why don't you go ahead and continue describing what's going on while I do
0: that. So, indeed, this is kind of the... As a matter of fact, this is Jim Crackle Promotions' first attempt at a pay-per-view that was not Starcade, coming off of the Success of, well, relative success of Starcade 87, Chi-Town Heat, UIC Pavilion in Chicago. Despite going
1: up against the established, or the, excuse me, the not established, despite going up against the debuting Survivor Series, which was created by Vince McMahon in order to attempt to stonewall Jim Crockett promotions from getting into pay-per-view.
0: And quite frankly, when I say relative success, I mean distant relative success. Because, yeah, in 1987 kind of bit the big one. So, in this case, Jim Cocker Promotions decides to give it another shot with the finals of their third annual Bunkhouse Stampede, which was essentially a month-long I guess, kind of along the lines of the G1 Climax for Battle Royals it's literally like the best thing that I could think about tournament where multiple nights, uh, there are different battle Royals that are under bunkhouse rules, which means a lot of street clothes and weapons are allowed, not encouraged though, but they are allowed. So they will be used. And this was held over the month of December with among the top competitors, including road warrior animal who won the most battle Royals in December Vying then for the big bronze boots and a check for a half million dollars. It would come <laughs> out to-
1: I was I'm, waiting for that. I, I'm I'm sorry. A half a million dollars in wrestling dollars is like five bucks real life cash.
0: No, it actually very well could have been a half a million dollars, considering who won. Well. <laughs> I can't
1: give that away yet, but I see where I you're going with this. I know. Go ahead. Continue.
0: So the, so the finals, which, would be our, which will be our main event, are... <laughs> this is so freaking ridiculous. <clears throat> An eight-man steel cage battle royale, where the only way to win the match is to be the last man still in the ring... And effectively doing the opposite of a steel cage match, where the entire point is to throw your opponents over the top—yes, over the top of the cell or of the cage, or through um, the door—as long as both feet hit the floor. Total opposite. What the hell?
1: Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and comment on this. Here, I was going to save this for when we actually did this, but I—okay, w- then you know what that would make the smartest person in this match to do. Stand in the middle of the ring. Hell, sit CM Punk Indian style in the middle of the ring. Why go anywhere near the top of the cage or near the door? Because wrestling.
0: Because eventually you have to to try and eliminate the last person in there. Okay, when it's but down until to then- I want, you don't have a choice.
1: Okay, but until then, you just sit there and
0: do nothing. Well, <clears throat> the winner kind of did. Anyway. Now, we mentioned all of this backstory because of the fact that WWE, once again, for the second consecutive JCP pay-per-view, takes a direct shot at them. Not with pay-per-view this time, though. But on the exact same night, the, I believe, Cops Coliseum in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. So while JCP runs in WWE's backyard... WWE decides to fire back with the first annual Royal Rumble, which was aired on the USA Network. Yes, the same USA Network. So, America! Huh? I mean, By way of America, but by way of Canada. Yes, and that would be, of course, headlined by the first ever Royal Rumble match, which would be won by Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and the contract signing, for Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan that would lead not to WrestleMania four, but to their match on the main event, which we have covered in our best of Saturday nights main event DVD located in the archives. That's one. Hey, it was a plug of our
1: own show. Anyway. Right, but the the way that it was plugged was reminiscent of a different show. Shut up. That's that's one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, yes, the war is very much going on here between Jim Crocker promotion and the WWE. How would JCP fare? Let's find out. As always, before we get started, here's Harry with all of the insane amount of matches, results, for the 1988 Bunkhouse Stampede Finals.
1: Well, you know something, Patrick? We did six matches last week. We're doing four matches this week. We still haven't touched how many we did for Rise. So, frankly, these are two well-earned weeks off for me. As Patrick mentioned, we are in the Nassau Memorial Coliseum. He used the full name. I don't have time for such things. January 24th, 1988. I would have been just under three years old. Patrick would not have been thought about at this point. Wow! Asshole! (laughs) This is the JCP slash NWA bunkhouse stampede for 1988. Runtime on the network, an hour, 53 minutes, 29 seconds, and I figured out why. I will explain it when we get to the match. Your opening contest sees NWA television champion Nikita Koloff and Bobby Eaton ...of the Midnight Express... ...although not... ...technically of the Midnight Express here... ...it's a singles match... ...managed by Jim Cornette... ...James E. Cornette... ...whatever... ...they go to a 20 minute time limit draw... ...I have, <laughs> I have,
0: huh?
1: I have one word... ...I have one word to describe this match... Chin walk. ...anyway... Our next contest sees Larry (laughs) Zbysko beat you to it defeat Barry Windham at 19 minutes and 17 seconds with a heel to the forehead the heel hit him with a... make your own joke to win the NWA, UWF, Universal Wrestling Federation Western States Championship
0: the championship NWA. Number, championship number 96 in the NWA.
1: The semi main event and your first ever non-Starcade title match, NWA title match, sees Road Warrior Hawk, because reasons, defeat Ric Flair by disqualification at 21 minutes and 28 seconds. Ric Flair retains. Duh. And your main event sees the American dream, if you will. Dusty Rhodes win the bunkhouse stampede, last eliminating the barbarian at 26 minutes and 22 seconds.
0: That's all <laughs> I know. <got. laughs>
1: we'll talk about that when we get there. Oh, yes, we well. <laughs> Mama, Thank you, Harry. Mama Jim Crockett says I gets to book the finishes. Mm. It bees like that sometimes. All right, let's do this. Four matches to get into, not a whole lot to cover for a couple of them. So let's do it, shall we?
0: <laughs> Indeed. In this case, the war wa- rage wages. Damn it! Now you the
1: uh, if you will,
0: the war, the war for the wrestling world continues to wait rage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the war for the wrestling world continues to rage on. You're welcome. Move on.
0: This is the Bunkhouse Stampede Finals. <laughs> he sounds so defeated. So, our our opening contest... Our our, our first contest... (laughs) Of four. Of four. Almost two hours, and it's four matches because... Well, JCP. I can't even say because wrestling, just because JCP. I mean, technically because WCW, before WCW, was WCW. So, because JCP. Our opening contest... (laughs) Of four. It is the NWA World Television Champion Nikita Koloff defending his title against beautiful Bobby Eaton, managed as always by James E. Cornett. <laughs> Jim Cornett, if you ask our ring announcer. By the way, who is the ring announcer?
1: Oh yeah, about that ring announcer. Uh, what happened when I was the ring announcer for for Punk House Stampede
0: nineteen eighty eight? Mr. 1980s <laughs> porn stash himself Tony Schiavone. <laughs> Frankly, if Tony has not covered
1: the show on what happened when he needs to just for the sheer ridiculousness of him being the ring announcer.
0: You know what the funny part is? After I finished with this, I started watching I believe had to be Starcade 85, which was the uh no, I'm sorry. Starcade 86, The Night of the Skywalkers. Guess who one of the ring announcers is? Oh, good grief. On the biggest show of the year. Anyway. Well, in fairness, let's give credit to who the the
1: play-by-play and well, color commentary technically, but they're both play-by-play announcers for this show are. It's arguably the two greatest play-by-play men in the history of professional wrestling and Jim Ross and Gordon Sully.
0: Was it Jim Ross and Gordon Sully? I could have sworn it was Jim
1: Coddle. I'm 90% sure that was Gordon Sully. Just because of the way that Sully has that unique tone in his voice.
0: Which is why I'm thinking it was Bob Coddle.
1: Hold on, I'm looking it up because I could have sworn that was Sully.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm like 90% certain that it was Bob Coddle.
1: Crap, it was Coddle. My bad. This one's on me professional ladies and gentlemen I thought it was silly I I, genuine, I genuinely thought it was silly which
0: I the mean, only thing you Sully is you to the name of Bob Cottle <laughs> getting back to the match
1: what match there's nothing to talk about
0: this was a terrible opener oh my god no don't get
1: me wrong Nikita Koloff is arguably one of the most op- over babyfaces in NWA JCP history. I mean, this Figure is a guy who was
0: the hell out
1: though. Well, this was a guy who was absolutely hated when he was going through his USSR shtick, and then he was injured in some kind of an accident. I want to say it was car, but not to the magnitude, obviously, of the one that took Magnum T.A. out of the world of professional wrestling. But I want to say that Nikita had a car accident as well. And then when he came back, he came back as a monster babyface.
0: It also helped that came back, if I'm not mistaken, helping out Dusty Rhodes in his fight against the horsemen, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on the time frame.
1: Uh I know that he definitely teamed with Dusty Rhodes as a baby face in the formation of the superpowers. Uh one guess who's booking at this time, kids.
0: Mm, if you be you. If you be you. Let's just get let's just get this one out of the way. You mean to tell Jim, me? Hang, hang, shut, shut up! Second, shut up for a second. Let's just get okay. the one out of the way. Do you mean to tell me that Jim Crocker Promotions is currently being uh, booked by the second most recognizable athlete in the world today, second only to Muhammad Ali? That's two. Yeah, that's why I said let's get that one out of the way. <laughs> um. I'm, I'm the fan, if you
1: will. All right. Bad Dusty roads impressions aside, let's get into the actual match itself. Um, chin lock, chin lock, chin lock, side head lock, chin lock, chin lock, hammer lock, time limit draw by Felicia. Ish. Oh, they, they snuck in a Russian sickle right before the time limit expired as well, because, of course, they did.
0: Because wrestling. Um, yeah, if it wasn't for Jim Cornette's banter... I legitimately would have fallen asleep, although it was funny as hell what some of the stuff Jim Cornette was saying. He was calling Nikita Koloff ugly, called him baldy, uh, calling the refs stupid. (laughs) Didn't I hear him
1: tell the cameraman to get away? What are you trying to give me an aneurysm? Something along those lines. (laughs) And then and then Jim Ross chimes in with probably wouldn't be the worst thing to happen. That age as well, Jim. Thanks.
0: God. (laughs) So Jim Cornette essentially saved the first half of this match. I I would go with like legitimately the first half of this match. The second half, yeah, no, because all of a sudden his banter stopped and nothing.
1: The wrestling. Yeah, his banter stopped and the wrestling didn't start to pick up.
0: To the point. Tony Schiavone announces one minute to go because, yes, he was doing that because NWA World Television Championship matches had a strict time limit of 20 minutes. So every I five will, minutes, although he missed several announcements, he announced go ahead.
1: Just real quick, I will give him credit, though, for actually hitting the 20 minute time limit correctly. Usually, We're usually wrestling 20 minutes is closer to about 16 or 17 minutes. This was an actual 20-minute match, even though, well, they probably didn't have enough for it to be a 15-minute match.
0: I'm not sure they had enough for it to be a two-minute match.
1: Yeah, well, Nikita was over, so there's that. I will say this much. This crowd's incredibly hot. Like, this crowd is hot. Uh, wow. Into the ac- into the action, but in fairness, I think wrestling standards for what we get come to expect from a good match back then, and what we expect from a good match nowadays are different. I mean, comparing this to other matches back in that time frame, maybe it holds up a little bit better. But even then, it's still it's seemingly a lot of rest holds.
0: To the point that when Tony Schiavone announces one minute left, Bobby Eaton still has a headlock on. It to me says Bobby Eaton doesn't actually care about winning the damn match, which, eh. It's just, ugh. I can understand having you know a time limit draw for your opener, but, eh. I would have preferred the second match be first.
1: At least the second match had a finish, and then
0: you know what? Let's go ahead and move on into our next match, shall we? Yes, because Nikita Koloff retains via time limit draw.
1: As mentioned in the results. Now it is time for the NWA-JCP-UWF-Ramalama-Ding-Dong Western States title.
0: Once again, championship number 281 of the NWA. I love how the number just keeps going up every time we say that. It's funny to me. All right, anyways, it is... Just call me Tony Schiavone talking about Goldberg streak. It is Barry Wyndham defending against
1: Larry Zabisco, accompanied to the ring by Baby Doll, who has gotten a lot of talk in these Wrestling Unwrapped and Wrestling Unwrapped to the Maxes recently.
0: No kidding.
1: Yes, kidding. Literally, kidding. As in her daughter. Okay, moving on. That was awful.
0: You should be ashamed of yourself. That's bad, even for us, and we have low-ass standards. Should not. Moving on.
1: Um, Well, it was better than the opener.
0: Okay, I'm pretty sure my 74-year-old grandmother can have a better match than the opener, and she's never wrestled before.
1: I would imagine your 74-year-old grandmother could probably have a better match in the opener as well. I cannot speak to the in-ring acumen of your grandmother, but it seems reasonable to think.
0: All she has to do is throw more than a forearm, and we're good. Or rather, more than a headlock, and we're good. All right, we're moving
1: on to the actual next contest here. Uh, Yeah, so Larry Zabisco's kind of drawn his reputation as being the king of stalling. Ah, uh, his work rate in this match is actually pretty solid, I think, but I believe a lot of that may have to do with the fact that Barry Wyndham Wyndham was so far ahead of his time.
0: By this point, Wyndham was so far ahead of Zabisco in terms of in-ring acumen.
1: Yeah, but you had Larry there to uh, you had Larry there to hold down the psychological aspect of the matches. I honestly think Larry Zabisco is underrated. I don't think Sabisco gets the credit for being as good as he was. Yes, towards the latter part of his career, he became more known for stalling and staggering and taking the easy road out and doing as little as necessary. I get that, but at the same time... Uh, I believe that Sabisco was more than competent of having a good match with the right opponent, and as I said earlier, Wyndham was on fire around this time frame too. Wyndham was, as I said, so far ahead of his time that he doesn't nearly get the amount of credit that he deserves for being as good as he was.
0: So, I'm having to look something up real quick. Ooh, okay, they actually did get that right, I'll be damned. One of the comments that I noticed, especially from, I believe, JR, kept saying that this was the first major title that Larry Zabisco had ever won. Now, what I just had to look up is the fact of, do you consider them right considering the fact that he would not win the AWA championship for another year?
1: Well, Zabisco would be out of the NWA before he would move to the AWA. I want to say as um, Bachwinkle's son-in-law at that point. Like he was sure. married to. I want to say he was married to Nick Bachwinkle's daughter, or not Nick Bachwinkle's daughter, Vern Gagne's daughter. So it was a case of Gagne sticking with somebody that he knew with his, as the uh, championship representative of his promotion. See his son, Greg, as well as an option as well there.
0: And by the way, another thing that bears mentioning. Larry Zbysko winning this championship, the Western States Heritage Championship. Championship
1: number 293
0: in the NWA. Eh, Give or take. Yeah, this would be the only title change of this championship. The only other title change would be when it was retired one year later.
1: Probably when Zabisco was fired from the NWA.
0: Bingo! So Barry Wyndham and Larry Zabisco are the only holders of the UWF NWA JCP Western States Heritage Championship. Championship number 481. Damn it, he beat me to the joke there. That's my joke. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the match itself, it's like... It almost felt like Perry Wyndham had to bring himself down. Because Wyndham can go among the best of them. But it was a lot of stalling in this one.
1: Um... Do we want to talk about the finish now, where the heel used a heel to be a heel?
0: Where the heel manager handed the heel wrestler a heel to be a heel with hitting someone with a heel?
1: He's healing out. That's what's happening here.
0: Oh, boo.
1: All right, moving on. Um. And we're heading out from this match as Zabisco picks up the win at the 19 minute and 17 second mark. You'll notice, despite the fact that there are being only four matches, all of the matches are getting time. This is the shortest of the four, and it's almost 19, a little over 19 minutes.
0: Yep, all others would be at least 20, and I believe the longest being the main event goes over 25. 26-22 to be specific. No one was asking for specific well, I just wanted to pass it along. Anyway, yes. Zabisco ends up winning after... I bel- I'm i trying to remember who actually takes out referee Dick Kroll, which, by the way, uh, I recognize him from WWF, which means, wow, the New York State Athletic Commission was an actual thing.
1: Um, in regards to the person who took out the referee, that was Zabisco.
0: Wow, wow are that bored on this show too? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I just had to yawn. Uh, Zabisco went to Irish with Wyndham. Wyndham reversed him back into Dickroll.
0: I'll ignore any so, jokes about the name.
1: <laughs> somebody get that cornerback for Denver some oxygen while we're at it. Anyway,
0: good God. Anyway, this so game is after-
1: more this this game is more interesting than talking about this show. What do you want from me?
0: Uh, fair enough. So, Dick Kroll is taken out, and Zabisco ends up winning when... This was Baby Doll, right?
1: Yes. As I just mentioned about five minutes ago, yes, Baby Doll.
0: I, I always get Baby Doll and Precious mixed up for some Precious, ungodly reason.
1: Precious was Jimmy Garvin.
0: I, okay. Anyway. Baby doll hands Larry Zabisco her shoe. And yeah, Zabisco heels out on Wyndham with a heel.
1: Literally. And we move on from these bad puns and bad references to our title match. And I figured out why this is edited to pieces on the network in regards to the entrances here.
0: You actually managed to find the answer to this. Hang on. Hey, just hang on one second. Our next contest. Road Warrior Hawk, accompanied with Paul Ellering, later on in the match, facing off for the NWA World Championship against the champion, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. The reason we bring this up is because if you're watching on the network, it says that there are technical difficulties and pretty much the entire introduction is cut. Ric Flair's entrance, Hawk's entrance, and Tony Schiavone's intros are both gone. It's the only edit of this show. Alright,
1: well I can't explain Ric Flair's being in cut. I can't explain Hawks probably because of the way that he was introduced. Oh, and the God. reason and the reason I explained because of the way he was introduced, because of the way he came out to the ring.
0: Did he go to Iron Man?
1: Iron Man by Black Sabbath.
0: That explains that.
1: You you know damn well Vince, ain't, Vince and friends up at the network aren't paying for the rights to that song.
0: Why not just dub it over really crappily like you do? See Sandman in the entrance. One night stand.
1: Or use Vince Russo's version of Iron Man that he used in WCW. Or wait, he used the actual song, didn't he? No, he didn't. I think when he originally was coming out, he used the real song, and then it got changed to the uh, to the rip-off version that they use.
0: Because, remember, they used rip-off versions of everybody except for Brother Jack Dude. We'll talk about him in a few weeks for episode 50.
1: It, it, it he, he, Lord knows he's a voodoo, a voodoo child. A voodoo? I must be on some voodoo.
0: Our commentary is turning to doo-doo. Bobby Heenan would not have this. Humanoid. Anyway, so yes, it is Road Warrior Hawk versus Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. By the way, real real quick, uh, just one last thought regarding the intros. A lot of people, because I have this up on a couple Facebook pages as well, about why would this specific entrance be cut – and a lot of people were trying to say that it may have been the VHS version, which I would understand, but it's the only edit. So well, I think they, no, they really I actually think that might, VHS. I
1: disagree. And here's why, because JCP, the Turner, the Turner movies ones, the TCMs, I think they were called their VHS tapes were done through Turner Home Entertainment. So T.H.E. here, I guess had a strict two-hour runtime limit. If you have both animals, or not animals, Hawks introduction, Flair's introduction, and then the actual intros for the match itself, you're running over that two-hour tape mark. What the hell? Entrance takes seven minutes. Well, two entrances and intros. That could very
0: easily be seven minutes. Iron Man... Man, If you're going to do that, cut out the intros to the Western States Heritage Championship match. Not Rick freaking Flair. Yeah, it is odd that Zabisco and Wyndham
1: get introductions and Flair doesn't. I mean, the opener, both guys were introduced. The opener, both guys were introduced is already in the ring.
0: Now, I think Nikita came out. Nikita came out, but Bobby was already in the ring.
1: Yeah, because I saw a blonde. I saw a blonde chick, and it turned out to be Cornette, or it turned out to be Eaton. Excuse me. <laughs> Jesus.
0: So, yeah, that's one that I always found weird. In terms of the match itself, kind of boring. Uh,
1: uh, tried and true flare Flair formula. Put Flair in there with a muscle head. Flair will make him look good. It's not a great match or anything, but it's a very good match, I think. I feel like Hawk more than lives up to the role that he was expected to play in this match. And Flair can pretty much take... At this point, Flair could take anyone or anything to at least three stars.
0: Be careful how you say like hawk by the way
1: well, what are you talking about
0: don't say it too quickly anyway I don't get I mean, it I'll tell you later I mean no, I understand okay. you know the whole thing with, with flair taking pretty much everybody including a broom sick and getting at least three stars out of it but this was this was the pay-per-view world title match. This was a Clash of the Champions title match. This was uh, this was this was Dusty Rhodes telling Ric Flair, look
1: Ma, I'm main eventing the pay-per-view.
0: Even still well, okay. If you still. knew you were gonna have a Steel Cage match with eight you know at least mid-card and higher stars and it was a steel cage match. Yes, I'm bringing it up twice for a reason. Would you want that to not be the main event? Meaning you have to not only waste the time putting the match up, but you'd have to waste time taking the cage down. So Dusty Rhodes is main eventing this pay-per-view. No, I, I get why that match was the
1: main event. I do. But at the same time, though... Why have it as a cage match when all the rest of them were just simple battle royals with weapon shots? Why not just have it as a battle royal with weapon shots similar to what the Bunkhouse Stampede matches are supposed to be rather than adding the added in the added element of the cage? This is a conversation for a different time and place, though, because – well, I guess technically, no, it's not because we need to stretch out the show as long as possible due to the fact that there are four matches.
0: The matches can go twenty minutes. We can't go twenty minutes on the matches. Well, we uh, can, but we don't want to.
1: I think a lot of it has to do with no. This was Dusty's way of sticking it to Flair. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't the main event of the prior Starcade Dusty versus Flair with the blood stoppage?
0: God, no! That was four years prior. Three years prior. That was '85. I thought Dusty. I thought 84. Dusty. And flare- I I said three years years prior because based off of 87. But no, that was 84, the Million Dollar Challenge. I just watched it. (laughs) Then what the hell was the Starcade 87 main event? Starcade 87?
1: I think it was Flare
0: and Dusty. And it might have been a Dusty. No, that was 84 and 85. I'm looking. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I could have sworn that 80, 87 was 87, Flare 87, and- I want to say, was Garvin.
1: Oh, God. That, that, that helps.
0: I think it was Flare and Garvin. Give me about 30 seconds.
1: Okay, I'm going to stop that before we get sued for copyright infringement.
0: Yes, please do. Uh, Ah. uh, uh, yep it was a steel cage match of rugged Ronnie Garvin versus nature boy Ric Flair for Garvin's world championship hands the stone Ronnie Garvin don't know when we'll talk about him again that's three
1: (laughs) and we're not talking (laughs) about him here unless we cover the rubble where he had his match against the great to Valentine that was actually pretty good No, it wasn't. It was better than your average
0: match. They went for pins in a submission match multiple (laughs) times. I didn't
1: say they were smart.
0: I just said
1: the match wasn't bad. (laughs) Uh, jeez. Well, we're really getting away from the topic. At but yes, getting back to the topic, at, getting back to the topic at hand here with this uh, NWA heavyweight title match. No, this was just put Flair out there against a monster and watch Flair make him look like a million bucks. The title was never going to switch hands here. There was no doubt in my mind that the the title was never going to switch hands here. There's probably no doubt in anybody's mind that the title is not going to switch hands here. It's an end to a means to get Flair through this pay-per-view, to give him a challenger that he can make look good in the process for if they decide to do anything with that guy down the road, and to keep the belt on Flair going into the future as well. Because I'm trying to think of who who would be the person to take the belt off of Flair, and I'm almost thinking it might have been Vader.
0: No way it was that Vader. Vader wouldn't have even been in the NWA for a few years. Uh,
1: Could have sworn Vader was either 88 or but, uh,
0: 89. Steamboat. Steamboat. Oh. Certainly was Steamboat in 89.
1: So Flair was the champion for all of 88?
0: Pretty sure yes. I'm
1: going to have to look into that one myself. I'm going to have to do some research once we go off the air okay <laughs> all right uh you never really gave your thoughts on the match itself though you said you were disappointed by it but you never expanded upon said belief
0: I mean the match wasn't bad but as you mentioned there you want at least to think hey maybe a title change can happen but no nobody really ever thought that roadhawk you know one half of the Road Warriors was actually going to win the belt. Um, but then also at the same time, you're booking yourself into a corner because of how powerful the Road Warriors had been booked that if you have Flair beat Hawk, Hawk kind of moves down a little bit. So, granted, I question the match choice as it is, but they pretty much booked it the best way they could by having Hawk actually win via DQ. So, if Flair keeps the belt still looks good and wins.
1: I'm picking up background noise. I'm not sure if it's from you or not. It's me. Uh, Yes. Flair would be the champion throughout the entirety of 1988. It would be Ricky Steamboat at the Chi-Town Rumble.
0: Neener, neener, neener.
1: Alright, I'll give credit where credit is due here. How about this? For your reward, we get to talk about an eight-person escape to cage in your eliminated match.
0: So what's the reward? You did
1: this to yourself by suggesting the show. No, I didn't. Your main event on the evening, scheduled for several eliminations...
0: No falls. Well, actually, plenty of falls, but not those kinds of falls.
1: Yuck, 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 yuck. Is for, well, frankly, bragging rights. (laughs) Oh, and $500,000 and a gigantic-ass bronze boot. Seriously, what was Well, you know what they should have done? They should have put that $500,000 in the boot and given it to charity. Two birds with one stone. Nice donation to charity and you get rid of that monstrosity that was that cowboy boot. Good lord, was that thing ugly.
0: Well, you know what that was, right? It was Dusty Rhodes' uh, safety boot from when he had his ankle broken just repainted.
1: There's a joke there that I'm just not going to make. Was it really? Hell no,
0: the thing was way too big.
1: I was, I was going to say, I didn't think Dusty's feet were that big.
0: They aren't. Granted, the safety boot that he wore was bigger. This is why you don't go wrestling with a
1: broken leg. That reminds me. Um, no, never mind. I lost my train of thought. Let's just move on and continue the show.
0: So, so the, one wanna... thing, the one thing that we haven't actually mentioned yet are the other competitors. We've pretty much I just wish... been making jokes at how this ended.
1: I was just about to ask, would you like me to run down those list of participants right now, or would you like to do it?
0: Oh, I can do it. So, it is pretty much Old Jones' army in the Warlord, the Barbarian, and... The Powers Ivan of Pain. Koloff. Yes, the Powers of Pain and Ivan Koloff, along with... what? Ar- Correct me
1: if I'm wrong, the Powers of Pain and Ivan Koloff, weren't they the six-man team on the first clash as well, that took on Dusty Rhodes and the LOD?
0: Possibly. I think he so. You might be right. There. And as well as Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, Lex Luger, who had recently been kicked out of the Full Horseman, Dusty Rhodes, and I'm drawing a blank on one. Animal. Animal. Duh, Jesus. <laughs> the one who had won the most bunkhouse stampedes in December. Jeez.
1: The bunkhouse stampede battle royal variation, not cage match.
0: Yes, only the grand finale, only this one was a cage match, and as we mentioned, it is standard battle royal rules. Over the top, <clears throat> feet hit the floor, you're eliminated. With the added stipulation that this also works with going through the door. If you're through the door, both feet hit the floor, you are eliminated as well.
1: Okay, the, allow me to ask the logical question. Allow me to ask the logical question here. You ready? Yes.
0: Why would you go to the top of the cage, you morons? To try and eliminate somebody else? Why would anybody go to the top of the cage? To try and eliminate somebody
1: else. You're missing my point. Why would anybody want to be up at the top of the cage in the first place? What, are you going to actually physically lift their carcass up the cage in order to get them up and over? No, they had to climb up to the top of the cage for you to be able to try to eliminate them in the first place. Why would anybody be in the top of the cage? It doesn't make any sense. That's why the for rules
0: are dragged up there. I mean, look, I'm
1: it's, trying here, all right? It's stupid. Yeah, you're, you're trying and failing miserably just like
0: this match concept did. I mean, okay, fair play to them trying. But, no. Now, granted, everybody in the match does come out in, quote-unquote, bunkhouse gear, jeans, shirt, a lot of weightlifting belts. Except for one person who came out, like, strictly in workout clothes. That being Mr. Personality himself, Lex Luger.
1: Long-time listeners of the show will know just what a fan of Lex Luger we really are.
0: Second most favorite wrestler after Brother dude well it came crashing down and it hurt and so I still wonder if Hogan's the third man anyway
1: rest in peace Bobby you know what I would have much rather just sat here and talked for an hour about Bobby Heenan today than covering this show to be honest with you
0: Quite frankly, we and, probably and, should have done that. <laughs> and truth be told, it would have been
1: a much more entertaining thing to do.
0: All right, continue. I mean, okay, fair play to the concept of it, even though this completely turns into a cluster and a half with multiple, multiple eliminations, including, I believe, Luger, Blanchard, and Anderson all going out the door at almost the exact same time. Animal was eliminated very quickly, thereby negating everything he had earned by winning the most pink house stampedes in December. And Ivan Koloff, I think, was the first one eliminated, despite the fact that he was in the match for about 15 minutes. And I believe he was bleeding about two minutes in. Surprise, surprise.
1: Yeah, this was back in the golden. This was back in the golden era of juice in the NWA. Back when pretty much everybody and their grandmother bled,
0: and it didn't just have to be the forehead. See Dusty's arm when I believe it was Ivan Colep actually uses a belt buckle on it to try and cut it open.
1: Which raises another question for me: Why would you gig your arm?
0: And Probably don't tell me
1: that cut his case than his forehead okay that's probably fair now that I think about it because Dusty's got like Dusty's got like that that, that rose beef forehead where it's just kind of layers upon layers uh what was the old, who was the old wrestler that they used to say would take a quarter and actually stick it into his forehead and it would like disappear was it Abby
0: I don't want to talk about him but yes what do you have against Abby anyway Gee, I wonder. You're seriously asking me that question. You're seriously asking me that question.
1: I am, because I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: Not the fact that he bled like a stuck pig with hepatitis?
1: Oh, yeah, there's that. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's no bueno. That's no bueno. Not cool.
0: I can kind of understand why Undertaker was pissed off at Bob Orton Sr. for their little episode when he was facing off with Randy Orton.
1: Yeah, the Bob Orton one I knew about. I forgot about the because uh, there was like the independent wrestler with Abby. I remember the story now. All
0: right, moving on. Yes, please. Anyway, um, our final two end up being Dusty Rhodes and the Barbarian.
1: Gee, I win? wonder who's. I wonder who's going to win.
0: <laughs> I was going to say D- Dusty Rhodes. So, Bar- now to be fair, at least they put somebody who's a super powerful wrestler. And might be able to lift Dusty Rhodes' ass over the top of the cage, but at the same time no
1: well I mean he technically could have thrown him through the door as well although I would imagine Dusty I mean even at his skinniest Dusty was pleasantly plump that's one way of putting it it's a big boy it's a big boy
0: well, at least from Anyways, Texas. Anyways, um, yeah. Needless to say, despite the fact that he was the last one in winning a wild card match, I don't really think there was any question as to who was winning this match.
1: Yeah, the only other man that would have made any sense winning this match, honestly, probably in the fans' eyes, is uh, Lex Luger. That being said, shall we talk about the reaction? Shall we talk?
0: Animal may have as well, considering the fact that they did mention he had won the most. So, Shall animal may s- have made sense too. So, but can we move on,
1: please? go ahead. Can we talk about the reaction to Dusty Rhodes winning this match?
0: Oh, oh. I won't put this on par with Batista winning the Royal Rumble, but it might be the JCP equivalent.
1: There is a definite backlash in the air in regards to Dusty's victory.
0: Wait, wait, wait. So you you mean to tell me that people were questioning the fact that the kind of then wasn't known that he was the booker of the company... And the guy who hadn't won the previous two faced some backlash for winning the third?
1: Shocker, I know. Dun-dun-dun.
0: Hey, who won the next year?
1: I don't know who won the next year. I never looked. I don't care. I'll
0: give, After... th- I'll give you two damn guesses. And the first one
1: doesn't count?
0: Exactly. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, this was a concept doomed to fail, especially with said participants.
0: They, they may as well have called this
1: the Dusty Roads Invitational.
0: If you will.
1: Dusty Roads episode, not available in the archives due to the fact that there were just so many damn matches and segments on that one. We'll get to it eventually, we think.
0: Uh, I don't know that we want to get to that one.
1: Maybe, maybe next June we'll do it in tribute to Dusty.
0: We just have to find a way to tighten it up just a little bit so that it's not three and a half hours.
1: Well, I mean, we did it on our old network, and yeah, that was a long show. But I think if, we can do it. Sh- I, I, I think we can do it shorter if we don't necessarily discuss all of the promos if we kind of just let people watch the promos for themselves and we only talk
0: about the matches possibly because that I think is still the longest episode we've ever done and I think we've only ever touched three hours once we will not touch three hours tonight though. Um,
1: I have nothing else to say about this train wreck of a show I'm ready if you are
0: alright I got a question for you it's a really obvious answer, so we'll, we'll call this kind of filling a little bit of time before the big finish. Do you think it was a mistake doing this in the WWF's backyard in New York?
1: No. And the, re- and the reason I say no is because you're trying to establish yourself as a national wrestling company. With the WWF out of the country right now, what better time than to take a crack at them in their own backyard?
0: They're not that far out of the country, though. They're just across the border. Hamilton, Ontario is like one of the first cities across the border. Okay, but at the
1: same time, though, my point being in that regard, though, is that they are out of the country. You're going into their backyard and possibly getting some of their fans to come to your show and give you guys a ch- give you guys a chance. Maybe they would view you as the superior wrestling product. I don't think there's any question that the NWA was better wrestling than the WWF. Certain exceptions aside for the WWF guys, uh, Savage, Steamboat, D.B. Aussie. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple, but... Those are the names Rick Rude, Kurt Hennig, Those are the names that immediately spring to mind.
0: Right, fair enough there. I feel like it was a wise
1: idea to try to go into their marketplace when you knew they were out. Now, if the WWF would have decided to go to Madison Square Garden or to the Manhattan Center or whatever it would have been in that particular vicinity to run their Royal Rumble there, then JCP would have been screwed. But I think running in the WWF was also their way of firing back at the WWF for doing this for putting the Survivor series as as a counterproduct to their own Starcade from the prior November as well.
0: I should mention the Manhattan Center wasn't even a thought in their eyes at this point. That was ninety-three.
1: Anyways, what about okay, so let's talk about your thoughts on this then. Um What's your thoughts on the, uh, the situation? Obviously, you feel like it was a mistake. Why do you feel that way?
0: I just feel like you had... The bigger mistake would have been running at Madison Square Garden, obviously. But at the same time, you're, a, you're known as a southern company. And you're trying to expand. And I totally understand that. But at the same time, at this point, you're not really known in the New York market. You know, I think most of, most of the fan base of JCP was St. Louis at the furthest west. Um, you know, Chicago, and then mostly, I think Chicago may have been actually as far north as it, as it may have been uh with that case i feel like if you had gone somewhere else and you know i mean two months prior they had gone somewhere else they went to chicago for the first non uh non atlanta or charlotte starcade i just i feel like they should have gone somewhere else but still as part of their fan base st louis maybe I think you're – the name says National
1: Wrestling Alliance. I think you have to try to get make your inroads into pretty much any area of the country you can try to make your inroads into. And even if that means taking a shot at the WWF in its own backyard, then that means taking a shot at the WWF in its own backyard. I saw no issue with that. I have more of an issue with the presentation of the show, but that's neither here nor there.
0: I have a feeling it will be. <laughs> anyway.
1: Oh, it's definitely there, but we'll talk about it here in a few moments. Dun, dun, dun.
0: Gee, I wonder. <laughs> totally not obvious. Alrighty, as we switch gears, big finish time. Hitting what may end up being the shortest show we ever do. Best of worst matches, what we usually start off with. Alright, this is going to be fun. What's the worst match of this show to you? The Opener. Damn it!
1: It's twenty minutes of pure stalling. There's like four actual wrestling moves in the entirety of this contest. Otherwise, it's side headlocks, hammer locks, and chin locks.
0: That was three of the moves. The fourth being the Russian
1: sickle. Well, there was also an arm breaker. There was also a stun gun on the ropes, and then there was one other thing that I saw. That I, frankly, I zoned out through a good portion of this match because it did nothing to hold my interest. I'm going with Bobby Eaton versus Nikita Koloff, and I absolutely hate saying that about Eaton, because Eaton's one of those guys who, when I go back and watch order NWA shows, has always impressed me in his tag team matches, be it with Stan Lane, or oh, who am
0: I? I'm trying to remember really? the other member. I'm
1: really? trying to remember, the, o- trying to remember the, other, the other member of the Midnight Express.
0: Lover boy, Dennis Condry.
1: Thank you. I, I had a moment there, okay? It's not like you haven't had a moment. You couldn't say the wrestling war rages on earlier, so don't give me shit. Anyway.
0: Um, thoughts and the opinions of Harry Broadhurst do not reflect those of Wrestling Unwrapped or the WWE. Yes, they proud. do. Yes, they do.
1: <laughs> they do certainly you know reflect. You said it earlier <laughs> in the show. And no, I didn't. what I... What I What I was about to say before I kept getting so rudely interrupted, between his teaming, going back and rewatching the uh, stuff from the NWA with Bobby Eaton, between his teaming with either Stan Lane or Dennis Condry, as Patrick so thankfully brought up to help me there with Bite Me Patrick, or his interactions with uh, Paulie Dangerously and the other members of the Dangerous Alliance, Bobby Eaton has always been a huge part of me going back and enjoying these old NWA shows because his match has always been something that I could really look forward to sinking my teeth into this match right here was the complete opposite of that
0: yeah I totally agree on that and it sucks because I think whereas people always said Ric Flair could go out and have a four star match with a broomstick I think a lot of people found Bobby Eaton underrated because he could do the same now the question is: Is this, is this Bobby Eaton trying to lay off a little bit because of the fact that even at his best, Nikita Koloff was never really known as a ring, you know, uh, a ring general, the likes of Bobby Eaton or even Stan Lane or Ric Flair, Tony Blanchard, etc., cetera, etc. Um, or is this just? Eh, it's an easy crowd, let's just do this and through, you know, kind of, you know, getting through the basics here, because throw stuff a- at
1: the match. Throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks with this crowd. And Maybe unfortunately,
0: tra- in this case, nothing stuck.
1: Well, here's my thought to that. Maybe they tried to work a WWF-style match in front of this crowd, and that's not what the crowd wanted.
0: Was this even because- a WWF-style match?
1: I mean to a lot of like the, the to a lot of like the more the more power based workers they had back then, like if you were seeing a demolition match, there wasn't a whole lot of wrestling going on in a demolition match.
0: Fair enough, but even I question this. This I I don't remember WWF matches being seventy five percent hammer locks and headlocks. As you know, and and there's some that are like but just not not to this degree. This was bad. And yeah, it if sucks you want to I love beautiful Bobby Eaton as well. If you want to see a really good
1: match focusing on headlocks and chin locks, watch Claudio Castagnoli versus Brian Danielson from Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. There you go. Don't watch this. Uh,
0: tip. Alright, switching gears. This one might actually be interesting. What is your best match of this show? Rick Flair
1: versus Hawk. Because this is the match that... It's Flair doing what Flair was sent out to do as champion back then. Give him a muscled-up guy who's maybe not necessarily known as being the best worker, and let Flair make him look like a million dollars. Hawk comes out of this match looking way better than he did going in as a singles competitor, looking like a man who could have realistically beaten Flair for the title had Flair not gotten disqualified... Flair comes out looking like he just barely survived, and what's he going to do the next time he's in the ring against somebody who's bigger, stronger, faster, more muscular than he is? Okay, maybe maybe not faster, but bigger, stronger, and more muscular for sure.
0: We would find out about two months later.
1: I don't remember the Great American Bash tour, so I can't speak to that.
0: I said two months later.
1: Clash of the Champions? Thank you! I don't know which one you're referring to. I've not seen it, so...
0: The first one, the one that the only one that went up against WrestleMania four in nineteen eighty eight.
1: Well, technically, Sting wasn't bigger or stronger than Flair was. I'd say they were probably around the same size.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They might be pushing it. I'm, I would be curious to go back and look at the stats for that match to see, like, what the announced weights were, because I'm imagining they're probably pretty close. Sting is more, Sting is more defiant than Flair, but Flair looked bulkier to me, if that makes sense.
0: Wow, Colin, Colin Flair fat, eh?
1: Well, later days for Flair... Mm. Okay, at this particular point, the views and opinions of Harry Broadhurst do not necessarily reflect those of Wrestling Unwrapped or the W2M network. Anyway. um, Get
0: well soon, Rick.
1: He's actually back up and kicking again. He's been posting all over Twitter and Instagram. I
0: know. which
1: Which is really good to see. He actually sent out his condolences for the brain earlier tonight as well.
0: Indeed. So, in my case... Um... I can't believe I'm saying this. Main event. What? Said I can't believe I'm saying it. Um, the world title match wasn't bad, but to me it wasn't that good. It was. This was This was going through the motions, just maybe a little flashier than. Uh, Eaton and Koloth. Going through the motions is never really that good. And Flair could have good to great matches with almost anybody. And to me, this was tolerable in his case. The main event, while once again not great, but... It paid off the story of will Dusty retire, can Dusty get it done one more time? Granted, was the crowd happy that Dusty won his third consecutive? Hell no. They were demanding refunds. But at the same time, I'm a sucker for concepts. This was a concept. Sure as hell it didn't work, but it's one of those things where it's one of those dream matches to me. Like, for the longest time before Cena and Orton... Had theirs, I always wondered, what would it be like for a no DQ, no Iron Man match? I And I know, and to me, not that great, but it's something you saw. What would happen if you had steel cage match that was also, or what What would happen if you had a battle royal that was inside of a steel cage match? At the very least, maybe it's not the world's match, and consider effect that half that field bleeds like you would not believe. I think in the end, Dusty ends up bleeding twice his arm and his forehead. Koloff, Blanchard, anim- uh, maybe not Animal, but Koloff, Blanchard, Anderson, and I think Warlord all end up busted open. It's a bloodbath. Granted, it's long. It's almost a half hour. But at the very least, I would say it's the best match because out of the four show, to me, it's at least one of those that it's worth a watch just to see your opinion of it. Like I said, it's one of, hey, what would happen if you combined this and this? This was one of those answers. What's the world's greatest? No. But it was still, to me, a worthwhile match that lived up to its billing. You expected a hard-hitting, blood-fest, steel cage, weapons... Actually, I think it is weapons-encouraged. And that's exactly what you got. So, to me, yeah, as weird as it may sound, I'm still going to give it to the main event. I mean,
1: technically speaking, I guess the weight belts could be considered as, uh... Technically speaking, I guess the weight belts could be considered as weapons, couldn't they? And a boot... I Somebody's wish I could confused. forget I wish I could forget a boot this match.
0: <laughs> you keep it up, you can forget a boot ever hosting the show again.
1: Oh, you don't want to replace me and you know it. Paul, oh, you
0: available on Sundays? <laughs>
1: He's he's not he's not just booing us he's not just booing us he's abooing us oh. it's the monkey it's the monkey from Aladdin oh god just end the episode now please jesus <laughs>
0: <laughs> we hate ourselves too paul don't worry good <laughs>
1: anyway. so- uh wait a minute wait a minute y- you co-host a show here on the w2 network with the king of the bad pun gary Vaughn and you're gonna call us out go back to producing paul you got it buddy
0: <laughs> All right, before we get out of here this should be mighty interesting considering low scores we've given a couple of shows recently
1: um we still have What's- a cash and in- we still have a cash and trash to get through do we have to I mean, I didn't really have anything immediately spring to mind, but I'm sure I can fake my way through it.
0: What's your cash for this? The fact that there's only four matches. Yay! (laughs) Jerk. (laughs) Um, I'm actually going to go
1: with... uh, I'm actually going to go with Larry Zabisco, because Zabisco's kind of like that timeless wrestling heel act. Zabisco's like that old-school heel, and frankly, as somebody who kind of grew up watching this era of professional wrestling, I started watching wrestling when I was six, which would have been 91, but it's this style of wrestling that I started watching. I got nothing wrong with a guy who can tell a psychological story inside of a ring, and Zabisco, while maybe... Maybe a bit sl- too slow at times it was always fantastic at telling the entering story, so I'm gonna go with the psychology of Larry Sabisco as my cash Patrick <sighs> no nope. no comment is not an acceptable answer.
0: I know I'm just trying to think. <laughs> Um, um, mm. the fact that they went somewhere else. No, no, um, this was actually a tough one because, yeah, this, this, this show stinks. It really does. Um, I don't want to just completely spin off of my best match and say, oh, well, you know, they they experimented, they tried. Um, At the same time, this, to me, feels like a little bit of a changing of the guard. Granted, if you actually look at the end of it, (laughs) it could have fooled me. But, you can see all of the kind of younger, newer talents being featured. I think I've actually used this one before. But to me, still sits there um i believe i said this with summertime 98 but Wyndham gets featured and he'd become a major player in just a couple of years hawk gets featured and he and animal end up becoming you know kind of the go-to tag team um bobby eaton was already a very heavily featured and would go on to, I think, become, and I mean, disagree if you want, but I don't think you will, go on to become one of the most respected and one of the possibly most underrated wrestlers of all time. You know, once, he, think- once he finishes with the Midnight Express and then goes on with uh, the Dangerous Alliance and, and just everything from there. I,
1: I, w- I, would ju- I was just about to say, I think you can make the argument that Bobby Eaton was the backbone that held the Dangerous Alliance together.
0: Exactly. So I mean, if it was if
1: it wasn't Bobby, then it was Arn. But between the two of them, you have arguably the two most underrated wrestlers of all time.
0: A, exactly, and that's you know it's your three sub matches already. Luger actually looked kind of decent. You know, in in the bunkhouse stampede main event, and he would also go on to become a major player in just a couple of years, especially having to effectively try to carry the company when you know the world champion leaves with the belt. Animal looks somewhat good, maybe a little quick out, and say what you will, but Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> I'm shocked that he actually got booed, because how the hell do you boo Dusty Rhodes? But he was also Uh, booking it, and booked himself to win, so... Um,
1: I believe that the Dusty Rhodes thing might qualify under SOS. Same old... Shtick? Pretty much, yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, so... It's. It was nice that at least with the major undercard matches, I say major undercard matches, the entire undercard had somebody that would be featured very well in the future from now. And I mean, that's literally three-quarters of this card. Hmm. Trying to figure out real quick. Yeah, I'm going to ignore the dark match. Alrighty. I didn't even know there was
1: a dark match.
0: Sting and Jimmy Garvin versus the sheep herders. Yep. Silence is deafening. What's your trash?
1: Um, Let me think here, because there's quite a bit to go with. The network editing of the show. Like, I get that you don't want to play uh, Iron Man or whatever, but at the same time, it's a championship match introduction there. There's absolutely no reason, in my opinion, that it should have been cut. At the very least, just do some fancy-schmancy post-production work and either turn up the crowd noise and turn down the audio on the song or just edit in a different song o- over it.
0: I, I don't you know, appreciate This isn't the first time they've done that. This is not the first time they've done that on the network.
1: No, I'm sure it's not. At the same time, it still becomes very apparent once you go back and you find out the reasoning for them doing it as to why they did it. I mean, it's obvious why they did it, but it doesn't make it any easier to digest as a fan. I mean, especially when you consider how iconic that song is with the Legion of Doom slash Road Warriors.
0: Just one of those things I find absurdly weird because of the fact that they cut everything. Everything. I, I feel like there's got to be something else with that. Like, I really, really do. Because to just cut all of that out because it's Iron Man, you can just edit over. Now, put put the LOD theme song. They use the same theme song in the WWF for their entire time in the WWF. Just use that one. It's not the first time you've done it. You played Chris Jericho's theme song during Road Wild in 98. Yeah, that that pissed me off, but that's mostly because I loved his even flow rip No, nah.
1: or not even flow, Jeremy. I believe Jericho's was Jeremy. No, it
0: was even flow. It was even flow. Then who
1: then? Who had the ripoff of Jeremy? Was it Raven?
0: No, nah, I thought Raven had come as you are.
1: You might be right. I'm I'm getting my WCW knockoff themes mixed up.
0: I know DDP had Smells Like Teen Spirit, because he probably had the most iconic one.
1: Yes, well, I mean, technically, Diamond Dallas Pages was so iconic, it actually had its own name as well, too, so...
0: While Hogan was the only one with the real thing, he actually had Jimi Hendrix's Voodoo Child. Another day,
1: another episode. FHH.
0: Anyway... For me, where the hell do I start? Um, It's the fact that the show is only four matches. Granted, yes, it's great to have a show that's major matches. Fine, okay. You know, a lot of WrestleManias are becoming like that today. But at the same time, you need filler in between, and while granted you got filler between the world title match and the main event, still it felt weird covering such a short show that was and not even two hours under two hours technically, even with the uh edited out entrances, my guess is this still falls under two hours and you still could have put the entire damn thing onto a Turner Home Entertainment VHS. Um, by the way, TG, Turner Home Entertainment, not TCM. That's Turner Classic Movies. Anyway. Um, I, I, I mentioned that I'm going back and watching Starcade, and it's so weird. Um, Patrick? What?
1: Just real quick. I corrected myself earlier when I was discussing it that I said Turner Home Entertainment.
0: Yes, you did. My apologies. Sorry. Okay,
1: carry on with your Starcade point. I go back to mute.
0: Okay. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm rewatching all of Starcades, and it's weird watching three-hour shows with legitimately 12, 13. I believe the second Starcade had 14 matches. And we go from that to this. Starcade 87 even had only seven matches. It's weird just how fast it dives uh, in terms of match numbers. Granted, match quality might make up for that, but let's face it. Would you have rather had six shorter, better quality matches, or would you have preferred what we got here? Two hours, four matches, and all of them were kind of stinky. No, I think I would.
1: Prefer, you. I, I I had to turn my mic back on. I think I would probably prefer the opportunity to have the downtime in between the big matches. Frankly, um, especially when you have matches such as the Zabisco and Window match, which I think runs a little bit too long for its purpose, and then the incredibly overly long opener that we had on this show.
0: Granted, the opener has to be done because. World Television Championship match, time limit draw. That's pretty much all they were. It was either a title change or a time limit draw. Sometimes the
1: champion would beat the challenger within the time limit. It was still a rare sight. All right. I don't. I don't disagree with that, but sometimes it would happen.
0: All Alrighty. What is your final score? For the Bunkhouse Stampede 1988. Man, we're on a
1: crappy run of shows lately. With the only real exception being SummerSlam ninety eight. Heatwave was a disappointment. Road Wild wasn't good. I mean, it, it we blighted.
0: gave goods we gave good scores to our most recent episode. Russell Palooza. (laughs) Oh, yes, we did. All right, well, then it's back.
1: I I forgot about Russell Palooza. I was thinking about Rise recently, too, and I think we both gave that a four. To me, this sits somewhere along the same lines as where Rise does to me, Um, but for different reasons. Instead of having an overly stuffed card like you had with Rise, you have an underly stuffed card here. And it underperforms in my to my expectations as well as far as what I'm expecting the show to deliver in terms of in-ring entertainment quality as well as out of ring entertainment quality. There's very little out of the ring content on this show as well. I mean there are some people that'll probably prefer that aspect, but to me, I like a, I like a good show to have a good mixture of both. So I'm going to say that uh, I'm going to say that uh, I would end up probably putting this show somewhere around a four-ish.
0: If I'm not mistaken, I believe I gave Rise a two and a half, and I believe you gave it a two or a three, just to clarify that part.
1: I believe I gave Rise a three and a half, actually.
0: Possible. For me, three, because it's great that the show flew by, kind of in the fact that it did go relatively quick. But once you
1: get past the opener.
0: Once you get past the first two, I'd say. Um,
1: that's, I, I liked Zabisco and Windham more than the average person would, but that's me. A
0: lot of Zabisco stalling. In-ring action, very good. So it's kind of like one of those tale of two matches. Anyway. um, But for the most part, this show never picks up it really does it in a way that a JCP show almost always did you were always almost promised a couple of high speed fast paced matches to really get you going but in this case there's no Midnight Express, one of them's in the opener, there's no uh, Rock and Roll Express there's nothing really to kind of bring the crowd up So they set themselves up for disaster by making the match that they did go first rather than, I would dare say, I think it would have been better received if you switched the first two matches because, yes, Bobby Eaton and Nikita Koloff would have been boring, but I still think they could have rode the way from Zabisco's heel title win a little longer. So that's probably the one thing I would say, but other than that, I mean... The world title match isn't that great, and the main event stinks. Everything about this show kind of stinks, including the presentation, you know, from the very, very, very basic graphics. Remember, just three months later, the kind of graphics that we're getting for WrestleMania 4, and look at what we have here, you know, three months earlier. So just nothing about this show is really that good. It's worth a watch just for morbid curiosity, but other than that, eh. there we're done. It,
1: it's it, it's curious to see the show that JCP decided to put up as its first non-Starcade pay-per-view. It, like it, it's worth watching once as a curiosity, but there's nothing about this show that makes you think you have to watch it again. Whereas I think the show that we covered last week, now that you brought up Russell Palooza, is the complete opposite in that regard. There's no real reason to watch it, but once you watch it, you don't, you wouldn't feel wrong watching it again because it's very enjoyable.
0: Just skip does that the make band. sense. Just skip the band. Yeah,
1: but does that make sense though? Yeah. Like none of the matches on that show seem skippable. They're, all of the matches on that show are worth watching. Whereas on this show, maybe one of the matches is worth watching, in my
0: opinion. Actually, I think it's the total opposite. One of the matches is worth watching here, and one of the matches might be considered skippable for <laughs> Russell Palooza. Championship match. Oh uh, yeah, Arya Devari and
1: and Matt and Cross. Doggy. I mean, I I like really? Matt Cross. I like Matt Cross. Though I've worked with Matt Cross before, so he's cool. He's cool in my book.
0: I like Bobby Eaton, but that doesn't make that match any more watchable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's that's fair. Yeah. Um, so we are pretty thankfully much, I, I would say, done.
1: <laughs> I, I think the words you're looking for is thankfully done. Um, yeah. all right, you do the plugs, but before you do the plugs, tonight's episode of Wrestling Unwrapped is brought to you in memory of Bobby the Brain Heenan. Sorry we couldn't cover a better show for your Brain.
0: We are going to attempt, can't promise it, but we're going to attempt to cover the Bobby the Brain Heenan DVD in what would effectively be a special edition of the show sometime in the coming future. But we're not 100% certain on that.
1: Reference number four. It'll be a bonus show for all you guys.
0: Anyway, I'll, what won't I'll shut be a bonus up. Yeah. <laughs> I'll shut what, up now. <laughs> what won't be a bonus show is the fact that we will not be at our normal time slot next week as we will be covering WWE No Mercy. It is another edition of Woo Reacts. Featuring essentially a double main event as John Cena will take on the big dog Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar Faces what might very well be his biggest challenge, even though, you know, SummerSlam happened Braun Strowman in their fight for the Universal Championship. And we effectively have all of October and almost all of November set up already. Thanks, WWE schedule. Uh, but
1: on. On the plus side, though, we can almost guarantee that No Mercy will be better than this cluster sickle we just covered tonight.
0: I can almost guarantee that our next regular episode will be better as well as we cover the 20th anniversary of the first ever Hell in a Cell match, I think. I'm trying no. to remember which one won the poll. Oh, yeah, no, we do have to change that one.
1: Um, no, that's not the next one we're covering. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. We have a show on September 31st, genius.
0: There is no September 31st, genius. September's 30 days.
1: Oh, wait. Um, October 1st. I thought we had something else planned for that, and then Hell in a Cell was on the 8th.
0: We no, can't. Re- we were going. We the were real going Hell to- in Cell. A-
1: I'm all all out of it right now. You're right. October 1st is Hell
0: in a Cell. My bad. October 1st is Bad Blood. October 8th is Hell in a a Cell pay-per-view. October 15th, I believe we were still considering doing the Randy Savage story. October 22nd would be Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. And October 27th, which will be our 50th formal episode on the W2M network will be WCW Halloween Havoc 1997.
1: Alright, one quick update to what you just said. October 22nd is the TLC pay-per-view.
0: I did say Hell in a Cell, didn't I? You did. Just a, just a quick a heads.
1: Um, you know wait it. a minute. Uh, you're actually wrong about one of those shows, too. Savage is in November. In October, we're doing Rev- Revolution Rev- Pro.
0: Yes, the Rev Pro Show, headlined by their main event. You, you may know the wrestlers' main event. It's, you know, <clears throat> Zack Sabre Jr. versus some guy who won some medal at some event. Uh, uh, Kirk Angel. No, wait. Kurt Angle. <laughs>
1: uh, I was going to throw in a Mr. Roboto to, just to complete the Chris Jerichoisms reference.
0: Uh, mine actually made sense though well mine was yeah. actually part of it anyway so yeah so October is completely full for us <clears throat> so you'll have all of that to look forward to going into and, the 50th episode and hopefully
1: the WWE Bobby the Brain and DVD as well if timing allows yeah we'll, we'll see they- As a bonus episode in order for us to uh, do something to celebrate the career of, in my opinion, the greatest manager of all time and probably the greatest play by play, the greatest color announcer of all time as well.
0: I don't know if anybody in their right mind would disagree with that. So that will be what to look forward to in the future, especially for all of October. However, until then... Oh, yeah, I should probably mention the fact that we are a presentation of the W2M Network, and you can find all of our previous episodes along with all kinds of other stuff, including the newest college football top 25, which I believe is out or very close to being out. Be sure to check out all of that at W2Mnet.com. Until next time, for our producer Paul Leeser and for Harry Broadhurst, I'm Patrick Katza. Thank you so very much for joining us as we covered the cluster fudge that was the 1988 Bunkhouse Stampede Finals. We will see you next time here on the W2M Network. Rest in peace, Weasel. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit w2mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions in the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.